Hello, welcome to another episode. I am very honored to introduce to you this absolutely beautiful soul named Jocelyn. And before I do, I actually wanted to just put out there to any woman who is listening who has potentially experienced a miscarriage or gone through with the decision to have an abortion, if this topic is too sensitive, too fresh, too raw, please give yourself the time and space to either talk to somebody, get some support or leave this episode for now and come back to it when you feel ready because this episode does touch on the topics of abortion and miscarriage. And like all things, my mission on this podcast is to empower all women to live the most self-actualized life of potential, life of joy, life of passion, and to remove any blocks or mindset issues or limitations or pain um, and unprocessed stuff so that you can do so. And one of those things that I've discovered through working with hundreds and hundreds of women is just how common these things actually are. And I have worked with quite a few clients who have really had a tough time experiencing these things. And so I knew that the right person to get on to speak was Jocelyn, who is an abortion and miscarriage supporter. And I understand that this is a topic which for a lot of people uh, can be embedded with a lot of judgment, a lot of beliefs around what is right and what is wrong. And that is not what this conversation is about. I'm not here to entertain it. I'm here to support people in whatever they've decided is right for them. And I want everyone out there to know that you are never alone. And there is always somebody going through something similar. And there is always somebody who will listen. And there is a safe space. And I want you to know that you have done nothing wrong. If this is something that is resonating for you, there is nothing you have done wrong and you are exactly where you need to be. And I wanted to have somebody on here who could give you some tools to help you heal the heartache or heal the shame. And that is Jocelyn's mission. She really wants to shake the shame that is associated with abortion and with miscarriage and with infant loss. And I think that is a really, really important thing to be doing to empower women and to remove the taboos so that nobody is suffering in silence. And so, I am introducing to you Jocelyn and I want anyone out there listening to know that if this is touching you or it feels like you're ready to do a little bit of healing and to let some of the pain go and to feel supported, please reach out to Jocelyn as you will hear in this episode. She is just such a kind soul and she's always opening her arms and her heart to support women who are experiencing a bit of loss. So please reach out, please get support if you feel you need it. Get yourself cozy and get yourself into a nice space to enjoy this episode with Jocelyn. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode with the most beautiful soul like on the planet ever. Uh, Jocelyn, I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, awesome, awesome. (laughs) So obviously for listeners who have read the podcast title, we're going to get into some pretty, I guess, heavy stuff. Um, And before we do that, I want to ask you some things that are just not heavy. And I want to start with, what do you do for fun? I really love doing wax seal stamping. It's a bit of a random thing. Um, But yeah, I just find it really calming and really like nurturing just to do like little wax seal stamps over and over again Um, for no reason. And I think that's that's the purpose is it has no purpose for me. So it's like, oh, this is just for fun. Yes, I love that. And it's yeah, it's exactly that. What do adult like I always ask clients, 
<clears throat> what are the things you used to do as a child just for the pure enjoyment of it? And how can we bring more of that in? Because now we're so focused on like it must have some sort of goal or achievement attached to it or it's like time wasting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is something you love about yourself? Oh, um, you gave me a compliment on my eyebrows before. So I'm like, I love my <laughs> eyebrows right now. But I, I love how resilient I am. I get certain, um, I have had some challenges recently and it's really nice to be able to have overcome them and see how much I've grown and evolved in that space mm. as well. Mm. So amazing. Uh, and obviously, I guess that's a really good segue touching on resilience and some of the things that you've gone through in your life, which have probably led you to <clears throat> such a specific niche. Like obviously you're an abortion and miscarriage supporter and that's, I can't say I've ever heard of anybody else that does that. Uh, mm. So, so super niche. And I'd love to know your journey or your background, your story of how that came to be your business. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I So my story began when I was 17. I had a miscarriage and I really just had that miscarriage and didn't think about it again. I kind of was like, okay, put it in a box and, and never really thought I would deal with it or process it or it was always a, a later Jocelyn problem. Mm. Um, and then I was 25 and fell pregnant again and my partner and I made the really tough decision to, to have an abortion. Mm. And when I made that decision and whilst I was processing and healing from that, my it's like my miscarriage, that box just came flying down and it just scattered everything. Mm. And so then I was healing and connecting and, and learning about both these sides of, of infant loss and both sides of my pain and where that sat. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big chunk of my story. And then I, that's uh, four or five months later, I was like, oh, there's not enough support out there. Like I really just want someone to, to support me in the particular ways that I needed support. And I went looking and trying to find the, find someone and couldn't really find anyone that I could connect with, um, in this space. And then it just came really clear to me that I was like, this is what I meant to do. And, and this is how I meant to do it. Um, and so now I get to be that support that I wish I had and that mm. person to just, hear you and hear your story without judgment and without pain and without um, without that shame and guilt being put onto you. And what a lot of people say to me is it's so nice to hear your story as well, you know, where you don't always get that when you talk to other people, whether that be counsellors or psychologists and other places that you might get healing. Um, mm. So, yeah. That is so true. It's so true. And like you were saying, like, I can only imagine that it would be hard to find support because the other thing is too, people don't share their stories like, mm. and that perpetuates shame. Like you're talking about, there's so much shame involved because it's not something that society openly talks about. What I've found with working with so many different women and all age groups is that this is something that a lot more people are experiencing than you would ever realize. And you just don't know what somebody's going through until they've got a safe space to speak. And I'm so happy that you're doing that and bringing the stories out so that the shame disappears. And so, yeah, sorry, I'm going to jump. I'm like, oh, I have so much to say. Um, and that's the thing is it's fascinating how many times people go, what do you do for a living? And then I explain and 
they'll just start sharing their story. And yeah. people think that it's always, you know, the younger generation or their, you know, the unwanted pregnancies from when you're a teenager or something like that, particularly with abortion. But it's not always, you know, I've worked with women that have been in their 40s and fallen pregnant or 30s and fallen pregnant or, you know, 18 and fallen pregnant. And I've also worked with people that have either are having an abortion or having an abortion, had an abortion a year ago, four years ago, 10 years ago. It, it There's no time frame on mm. when that abortion might really hurt you. Mm. Um, and same with that miscarriage pain that people carry as well, that pain and that loss that they, that they experience. And so that can also hit it multiple times as well and in multiple age groups. Oh, yeah. And it's just so heartbreaking to think that people are carrying it in the shadows all on their own because it's not something that you can talk to people about because of all of, well, I I guess judgment and all of the other stories that come with it. But I wanted to sort of pick apart because obviously it's very different circumstances, a miscarriage and an abortion. So if we start with miscarriage, I'm pretty sure, and I guess you could probably shed some light on this. I think miscarriage is probably more common than we might realize and so let's start there what do you experience with a lot of the ladies out there who have you know experienced this miscarriage what comes up for them and how is it impacting their lives yeah so it's usually about one in four to one in five women have a miscarriage um so it's quite a large portion of of women their stats are actually the same such very similar to abortion a lot of Mm. women a lot of abortions actually happen as well and miscarriages there's all sorts of stuff that can come up for all sorts of different reasons it Mm. can be coming up that they didn't they have to now learn to trust their body they feel betrayed by their body or they start going over every little thing that they thought that they did wrong beforehand or all the things that they did that maybe didn't set up that pregnancy. Or it can be relationship stuff. It can be learning to feel safe again, feeling safe that, yeah, they can trust and that they know that they can do this. Um, And there's so many spaces in that and there's still that shame and sometimes there's still that guilt as well of the fact that well I wasn't good enough to hold this baby oh you know and I remember I had this mum say that to me um and she goes I just I wasn't good enough to hold that baby and I said well maybe it wasn't that baby was ready you know, I I'm a strong believer that both mum and bub have to be ready Mm. You know, it can't be one or the other. They both have to be ready to be come on, like for the soul to come onto this earth. And, you know, to carry around that much shame and guilt and not being able to talk about it and not being able to share those experiences um, can be really hard. Mm. And it can also be really hard because potentially the partner isn't giving them what they need. Yeah. Um, but also potentially that person isn't asking for what they need because they don't know how to. Yeah. And so you start to unpack this and you find that there's so much there in so many different ways. Mm. Um, and miscarriages do tend to be spoken about a little bit more than abortions. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit less or there's less of a stigma behind it, but a lot of people still feel like they failed. Oh, that's heartbreaking to hear. So heartbreaking. And I was just thinking as you were talking, the other thing that I can only imagine, 
And, you know, I've actually, I'm at that age where I've got lots of different friends that are trying to have babies and some have really struggled. And it's quite, I can only imagine how triggering it must be when you're at that age and lots of other people around you are having babies and you're going to baby showers and your friends are all doing it. And you've just got to carry around with you that feeling of like, what if this doesn't happen for me? Or, Mm. you know, I've had, I've had one client who like, when she did eventually fall pregnant, there was it was so hard to feel excited and happy yeah. because of all the fear that comes up. So is that another thing that you've found? What advice would you give to the women that are listening who are in that position where they're like, it's been so hard and to live through those moments where you're feeling triggered, what, what advice would you give to them to just continue being happy for everyone around them? It must be so hard. It is really, really hard and particularly if they've had a loss and then they're pregnant again yeah. and there's that fear. Like I remember I was speaking with this um, this lady and she was saying that she was 10 weeks pregnant now and she goes, but I'm not going to celebrate until I'm 13 weeks because oh. lo- I've lost three babies at 11 yeah. weeks. And to hear that and to hear that pain is just so, it's so oh. upsetting because we sit there and we go, you're denying yourself all of this joy, but it's because you're so scared. Oh, you know, you're just so so scared. Um, <clears throat> so I guess there's two parts to this this um, advice. Is part one um, is if you've got lots of friends with lots of babies and or people that have started to become pregnant, and that's something that's really upsetting for you. My first recommendation would be to turn down the volume on those things if you can. Mm-mm. Yeah. So. I always imagine that our emotional wounds are a little bit like physical wounds um, and all my clients have heard this so they will probably just want to fast forward the next minute. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, essentially I always imagine it that if you broke your arm, okay, you wouldn't try out, go out the next day and try and go to the gym. You wouldn't put yourself out there in constant ways that it could be hurt or hit or banged or anything mm-hmm. like that. Instead, what you would do is you would go and get help, you would wrap it up in cotton wool, you would look after it, you would protect it, you would give it compassion, care and love. Mm. And then till it's healed, and then it might still be a little bit of a soft spot. It Mm. might still every now and then just go, oh, that tingles a little bit or that's a little bit frustrating. But ultimately, it's not going to reopen. Mm. So I always imagine our emotional wounds to be the same. If we're going through some of this, we really want to wrap it up, support it, give it love and compassion and know that it will heal, it will pass. Yeah, there might be times where it niggles a little bit, but it's going to be okay. Mm. But don't go and put yourself in positions where it has to be in harm's way. And that Mm. might mean you have to have vulnerable conversations. Mm. It might mean that you have to say to someone, hey, we're really struggling with this at the moment. So, I really want you to know that I still love you and I still support you and I want to be there. But right now I just need to take a little step back. Yeah. Or if that's not an option, make me sure that before you go to the one-year-old's first birthday or um, before you go to the baby shower or before you go hang out with your niece and nephew, you really fill up your cup. Mm. Maybe you go for a walk, you know, in the morning you read or whatever that might be. Mm. Um and I still do this to to this day. You know, I mm. went to um, my, when I, just after my abortion, I'd actually um, had my niece's gender reveal and she 
before that morning, I didn't do anything. I didn't have my phone on me, nothing. I just was like, in order for me to go to this, Mm. I need to make sure that I have filled my cup up as much as I can. Mm. And I just, and it can be really hard to do that as well because you're actually giving to yourself. Mm. Oh, that's such good advice. I just, yeah, that's beautiful advice. And then do you, what do you say to the people, you know, once they've gotten to the point where they are pregnant again, how do you support them in sort of, or what would you say to them in trying to sort of, you know, not to rob any joy? What's the advice there? Yeah. It's, there's so many different things and it's really, I depend on the person, but my first thing is when you do have those thoughts come in, just remember that that's the little person inside of you. That's the little person inside of you that's like getting fearful that you're going to lose something. Yeah. Fearful that that's going to be taken away. So how can you create more safety within that? I also sometimes will give those women like a um, belly rub practice and things Mm -hmm. like that. So they have a structured time where they're going to connect back with the joy. You know, it might be um, before the shower and they come in and, you know, they'll give themselves a really nice belly massage and a breast massage and then they might do their skincare and then Mm. they'll jump in the shower or whichever vice versa. And what I really encourage them to do is over that time is put beautiful music on, put a candle on, like really set the scene. Yeah. Um, I'm all about like celebrating every little thing. We're allowed to celebrate these things, but connecting back to that. So for those women really going, okay, well, maybe I'm going to celebrate with a massage Mm. or maybe I'm going to write a letter to my future baby or maybe I'm going to sit down and have a cup of tea in the morning Mm. and I'm just going to think about all the good things and the exciting things. The other thing I've had a few clients do is I really um, get them to write a letter to their past angels or their past souls and calling on them for guidance and saying, Mm. hey, help me have this baby. Yeah. Let me trust that this is going to work, you know, and getting your partner or your family or your support network on board with that. You know, you don't have to do those thoughts alone. And um, one really big reason, so all my clients get my mobile number. Mm. And the reason for that is those thoughts can come at any point in time. Mm. Mm. And I know how quickly you can spiral and how quickly those things can suddenly go from feeling so small to so big. Mm. And sometimes it's just a really small change or it's someone saying, yeah, I can see that that's really scary. Yeah. I can see that that's really scary. I want you to know that you're still loved. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I've just got, I had goosebumps the whole time you were talking there. I love the idea of writing a letter to your future child and connecting and, you know, just allowing yourself to visualize that beautiful future that is you know, very likely waiting for you when the time is mm, right. Exactly. And it's yeah. trusting again. It's trusting mm. that when the time will be right. Mm. Oh, amazing. And I guess that I I can only imagine. So I wanted to sort of switch into the other part of your job, the other 50% of what you do, which is abortion. So supporting women who have experienced or made the decision to actually have an abortion. And it's it's so interesting because even saying the word, I still feel that word is just so loaded. And I think like, mm. oh, I wish there was just a, a different word because it's so heavy and it's so full of stigma and connotation. So can you just explain like 
And for the people that are listening that are like, but why do you need to support people who Mm -hmm. have gone through an abortion? That was their decision. So, you know, what Mm -hmm. comes up for those people? Yeah. Um, Some alternative words that um, I can give you and give people as well because I still have clients that are like, I can't say that word, and I'm like, that's fine, Um, is release. Release is a really beautiful one. Or um, I gave to myself. I chose myself. Mm. Um, can be a really nice alternative as well. Mm. But those women um, still will experience lots of shame. Well, unfortunately, experience lots of shame because it's such a taboo topic. Yeah. You know, no one wants to talk about it. It's something that no one's wanted to talk about for a long time as well. Um, and because no one wants to talk about it, then no one everyone feels like they're alone and no Mm. one feels like they can talk to anyone about it. Mm. But it also means that the support network, so the friends, the family, the partners, whoever that might be, they also don't have the tools and they also feel alone. So you've just got this big ball of feeling alone. Mm. A lot of them will feel guilt as well because they chose themselves. And a lot of the time it's one of the first times that they have picked themselves. For me, my abortion with Oakland was one of the first times in my life that I put myself first and I picked myself. Mm. I gave to myself without anyone's opinion, without any questions, without anything. I just said, this is the right decision, mm. you know, and that can be really confronting for people too. That mm. can be difficult. Um, you also have feelings of that safety as well, you know, potentially the way that the baby was conceived wasn't a safe environment you know, as well. And that's something that can be really heavy. So it's all a variety of stuff. I've actually forgotten your question. So <laughs> can we just recap? Because I'm like, I had a really good answer. Now I cannot remember the question off the top of my head. <laughs> no, just talking about like, what are the, like, what is the shame? Yeah. That you've kind of answered it. So the shame yeah. that comes up for the people who have made, because I can see, you know, when you're talking about the miscarriage, it's that, well, of course they're going to feel sad and and because they wanted something so desperately they couldn't mm-hmm. have. Whereas with the abortions. Um, you still have all the what ifs. Yeah. That's the thing. You still have all the what ifs and you still have the hormones pumping through you. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. You still go through that postpartum stage. You still have those what ifs. What if I'd gone through with it? What if yeah. I... What if I decided to keep or what would my life look like now? Yeah. Or did I make the right choice? Um, Or there can also be that guilt of I did put myself first. I shouldn't have done that. There's so many different things there. We also, I believe women are very good at bullying ourselves. We're very good (sighs) at just hating on ourselves. Mm. And if you think about it, if you were told, hey, you can't talk about this topic that you went through, and this was really hard for you then, and you can't talk about it, you can't share it, of course there's going to be that grief. There's yeah. going to be that grief of, well, I lost a baby. How mm. I lost that baby might be different to everyone else, but I still lost a baby. Mm. A lot of people as well, like probably at least 70% of my clients will lose something else. So they will grieve not only their baby, but they will maybe they grieve a version of themselves. Mm. Maybe they grieve a relationship. Maybe mm. they grieve a friendship. Maybe they grieve family. There's so there's so much grief in so many ways and I certainly, I grieved Oakland and Charlotte and I also grieved, you know, that past version of myself, all those things that I was that I no longer am. Mm. 
but I also grieved friendships that didn't show up for me and I grieved so much other stuff Mm. that just it's still a grieving process and it's still Mm. having to release that. Mm, so interesting and as you're talking I'm just thinking it's crazy the way the universe works like Jocelyn and I have had this conversation so many times but you know it was like the universe sent me one person after another person after another person in this very short period of time who came to me as clients and it was like the universe was just saying get Jocelyn on the podcast Brianna because there was a couple experiences and I'm thinking now of all the different scenarios where a couple clients had come and said, I just don't know who to talk to because this is something I'm going through on my own. And there's so many parts that come with it. And, you know, sometimes it can, or what I saw was like, sometimes it can mean actually this relationship isn't the person that I want to be with. So then you've got to deal with that. Like, oh my goodness, I got pregnant and this isn't even the person that I want, you know, I don't think this is right. So then there's all of that to deal with. And for somebody else, it's like my family would never understand. My family would not be able to support me. All of that, all of this stuff came up. And so there's all of that too. Do you get that sense of like, A, People just don't want to talk to anyone because they're afraid of judgment and B, then they have to deal with the, you know, the aftermath of the relationships and all of the other stuff like that comes up with that. Yeah. I had goosebumps that whole time. Um, It is that. It is really, it's the pain that they're going through something and usually when we're grieving something, we would talk about it or we would have people know where if you think about it, everyone's like, oh, she's just having a bad day. She's just having a bad week. She's having a bad month when actually she could be having, you know, she could have gone through an abortion and that's really difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that secondary grief, I almost call it, it's the second round of grief that you experience, you know. So I lost Charlotte in Oakland and then I lost three girlfriends. And I had these three girlfriends I'd been friends with for over 12 years, you know, and they just couldn't show up for me. And that's okay. I send them so much love and light. But to go through that, to feel alone, and then to have that on top of that is so hard. Mm. And that's just one example. I've had clients that families have rejected them, you know, or their partners have rejected them even though they were part of the decision-making process. Mm. So many different things in so many different ways. Or I've had, this client was actually in the US and it was right in the middle of the Roe versus Wade scenario happening over there. And her boss asked her to stop coming into work because he was like, I don't support this. That can also be really hard because you're essentially being torn, but you're also being... It's almost like you're being punished, mm. you know, because for being so irresponsible, essentially. Like I think that's what a lot of a lot judgment. of people say that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people go, "Well, I was irresponsible. I made a stupid mistake. I was irresponsible, yeah. or um, you know, I put myself in that position." And it's yeah. like, but sometimes these things happen, you know, and that's okay. We all make mistakes. Mm. We all, or maybe it wasn't a mistake. We all do things. You know, it was just a part of your journey and it's just loving and accepting that Mm. that was a part of your journey. And what's always really hard is that, you know, it's something that's so difficult and it's really hard to be seen and heard in because it's not a conversation people like to have and it's not a conversation that can be had 
at a cafe necessarily for yeah. everyone. I mean, I, I'm pretty good. Like I'll <laughs> shout it from the rooftops, but that's me, you know? Yeah. And, but it's also recognizing that then you have to be loved through it. Mm. You then have to be safe, feel safe enough to share that. Mm. Just yesterday we were talking, I was talking with one of my clients and she is in the process of telling her family about her abortion. She feels really called to do that. And, um, we had a conversation about how that conversation would go. Mm. And I was really strong with her and I said to her, I was like, I just want you to know that no matter what, you made the right decision for you. You did the best with the resources that you could and that you are still loved, Mm. you are still safe, you are still worthy Mm. and you are everything that you need to be. Mm. And it's, it's those things, it's those little, those little lessons that we learn that tend to you know that we're not good enough or we're not safe or we are irresponsible you mm. know or we won't be loved because we did something wrong mm. yeah. that's a really common one I won't be loved what if I'm not yeah. loved oh yeah and then what it's if... like well what if I'm loved even more Mm, yeah but again you've got to be you've got to be able to have these conversations out loud in order to know that you know to and have that space yeah and that's why I feel like it's just so important that we talk about these taboo topics because shame perpetuates without conversation mm. what's something that I wanted to ask I guess my question is have you had any experience with men who find it really mm. hard in the aftermath Absolutely. So I um, I support the the woman as well as their support network. So I've actually yeah. done a few sessions with um, people's girlfriends or people's partners and stuff like that to give them the tools to help their loved one, but also to hear them mm. on their side. Because mm. for the males, usually for the partners, um, this is just from from my experience. It usually the pain starts to happen and they start to maybe really express those feelings around nine months after the abortion. Mm. And the reason for that in my understanding um, and in my intuition is that they get to breathe at that point because Mm. potentially by then their partner, so the woman or um, the woman who's experienced it, Mm. is actually able to potentially breathe on their own. And so they don't have to be strong for them anymore. Mm. They don't have to hold it together. They don't have to be that person's rock if they're still together. Um, And nine months is when that baby would potentially be here on earth as well. Mm. Mm. And so I do tend to find it is around that nine-month mark that really, really hits. Sometimes it's later, sometimes it's earlier, but that's been a consistent thing that I have seen. Um, and it's really important as well for the male to feel seen and heard and loved and mm. be able to share that story too. You know, we know that men don't tend to talk about their feelings mm. as much. Mm. That's just not something that they do. Um, or it's they it's something that they're learning to do as a society. We are, men are learning too, which is incredible. Mm. We don't always check in with them. And I actually don't tend to recommend that my clients do that mm. because you can't pour from your empty cup. Mm. It's actually you need to actually look after you. And so what I usually recommend is saying to your partner, communicating that. You know, I did that with my partner. I said, 
I cannot be your rock right now. Mm. So I really need you to go and find a friend or someone, a like mm. psychologist, counselor, whoever, to go and speak to about this because mm. I can't be that person right now for you. As much as I want to, mm. I can't. Mm. Because all we do then is we just continue to deplete ourselves in order yeah. to give to them. Yeah. Um, but men tend to carry around, particularly with abortion, of there is still shame in mm. terms of, well, I did that to the girl. Uh, you know? yeah. did I f- and there's a big one of like I forced her, I'm putting inverted commas here, <laughs> I forced her yeah. to do it, you know. Why did yeah. she do it? Yeah. And so there's still that shame in a different way. And then there's also that guilt of if they're seeing their partner or the female in so much pain and so upset mm. and seeing and experiencing that for them is that secondhand trauma, that secondhand grief because mm. that's really painful. But also we have to remember that they lost a baby too. Yeah. There is so much shame and guilt <sighs> still. It just, it blows my mind. And I think it's so generational. Like it's just, and this generation, you know, we, we like to talk about all things. So I'm glad that it's being, the conversation is being had, but you know, like when you think back to even just our grandparents, that was so shameful. I know people who would be driven for like hundreds of Ks away so that they could have an abortion, sorry, not an abortion, have their baby, put it up for adoption and then never speak about it again because the shame that you would bring to your family, like, and it's just carried down and it's carried down and it's carried down. So I'm so grateful that you are breaking the taboo and shaking people's shame because it's horrible to think of people suffering in silence. I'll jump back to the answer, like the generational trauma for a second and share this story with you I once met this lady and she was in her 70s um it's a very very lovely lady and she asked me she goes oh what do you do what do you do for a living oh, I, was like, I was like oh like I work as a miscarriage and abortion supporter and her her face just dropped and in when people's faces drop like that when I explain what I do there's usually one of two things one they're either um very opinionated and want to tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. Yep. Um, or, or two, they are um, they're about to share something part of their story. Mm. And so she was like, I haven't, I haven't actually told anyone this um, in like 51 years. And she's like, and my even my husband doesn't know. Oof. And she said when she was 16, her dad put her in the car um, and her dad drove her to a clinic and she had no idea what was going on. She had her abortion and then she got put back in the car and that was the end of the conversation. Oh. She goes, and I have not spoken about or anything with anyone. And she was just like, she was almost in tears and she was like, what you're doing is the most important thing. Oh. And I sit there and I go, just think of how much pain she has oh. carried for so long oh. and so much heartbreak and you know, I have this other story that I love to share that just really shows how when you heal from your abortion that it can impact so many relationships in your life. Um, I had this lady and she had an abortion when she was, uh, sorry, she had an abortion 11 years ago and then she had 10-year-old twins. And she came and saw me and she said to me, she's like, oh, um, you know, in the first session she goes, I hate my kids. I hate my kids. And I was like, 
okay, let's let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? Um, and she was quite a matter of a frank lady, and it was um, it was quite good. It was quite funny some of the time. And um, I was like, okay, like let's let's talk about that. And then as we were talking and sort of breaking it down and stuff, she was like, I just don't know why I said yes to their lives and I said no to the one before. And so what she had done is she had held this guilt and this shame and this grief, but what it had had done is it had started to impact her other children and her partner and her relationship and all these other relationships because she couldn't be happy because she just kept thinking, why did I say yes? to these two mm-hmm. lives, but I said no the previous year. Um, so as we sort of got talking and stuff like that, anyway, about her fourth session in, she turned to me, she jumped on, she goes, I smiled at my kids this morning oh. goes, and I really smiled at them. Um, and to me, I was like, this work is so important mm-hmm. because it's not just the woman that I'm working with or just mm-hmm. the man that I'm working with. It's their kids their future mm. kids, their partner, their relationships with their friends. It's so many people and it's so many people having these brave conversations of telling their family, hey, this is how I feel or hey, yeah. that's really upsetting or hey, yeah, I hate my kids right now but it's nothing <laughs> to do with them. It's because yeah. I need to heal my wound. Mm, wow. How powerful what you're doing. I had goosebumps the whole time you were talking mm. and it's, it's really just that reminder of the power of me too. Just that mm. me too, me too, me too. I've been there. And until mm. we remove the stigmas, no one is going to feel com- comfortable to, to share and to talk. And women need that. Women need to have conversations. So I just want to say thank you for everything that you're doing to shake the shame and the stigma. It's so important for women and what you're doing is amazing. So thank you so much. Where can people find you or connect if if they want to talk or shake some shame? Yeah. Thank you so much, Brie. That's so beautiful. Um, The best place is Instagram. That's where I mostly hang out. Um, So I'm at jocelyn.coaching. I do have a website. I've got some free resources on there. So you're welcome to go and go through those, but send me a message, send me a DM. So, so that you guys all know that I am the only person that sees those messages. No one else has access to my direct Mm -hmm. messages. So you can share your story. You can voice note me, you can send whatever you need to send. And even if it's just a, Hey, I heard your podcast. I'm not ready to talk right now, but thank you. Mm. Just so that, you know, you get to have showered with some love that day. Mm. And you can feel confident enough that you have a safe space to talk. Mm. I'm always a safe space to talk. Um, But I do for all of the listeners who are here today, um, I would love to offer your community 10% off if they decide to start healing their journey. Um, And just use the code or let me know Miss Mindset and I will Mm. make sure that that all applies for your beautiful community because I think it's so important that women just keep healing and that's how our society is going to heal. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. That's the perfect way to end this conversation, guys. Like you're you're just never alone and there's always somebody who will listen, whether it's that you're struggling to conceive and to hold a baby or you've made a decision to let one go you're never alone and there's somebody who cares and somebody who's been exactly where you are. So please reach out to Jocelyn if, if you're suffering or struggling um, and tag us if, if, there's, if you've had any moments. We'd love to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.